Hello and welcome to The Raising Man Show and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Tuesdays, you know how we do it, gentlemen, right here on WKBY 1080 AM. Every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern and 10 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific Time. I love it. I figured even this morning, I was a little tired. I wasn't wasn't really, you know, kind of into the just doing and recording this morning. It's got to be real. That's got to be transparent. That's what we've been talking so much about truth and transparency. And so many times that we set out to do a thing or to be to change our lives and to do a new thing and just to do in general. And sometimes we just don't feel like doing it. We've got to remember what we are all about and what our plan is all about. And there's things that we want to do that's greater than ourselves. And we want to spend so much time at the end of the story when we can celebrate and do all the things and say, oh yeah, I did this and I did that, I did whatever. But how often do we find ourselves really frustrated and actually working it out in the middle in those tough moments, in those long days? And I know when I used to play baseball and in the in elementary school and middle school and into early high school. And I used to hear the guys in professional baseball say, you know, the long dog days of summer when you're trying to get through those 182 games and you just you get to about game, you know, 100. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing with this? When I was writing my book, Catch, Your, Catch My Breath, Learning to Live Through Life's Letdowns, I got to a point in a section where you know, I use some old data and I say, you know, it takes 21 days to make a habit and you just have to do the same thing that you've been doing for 21 days. And I'd send it over to, you know, one of my mentors and, you know, he read the first couple chapters and he got to that section and he sent me back some feedback. He says, no, that's, that's not true anymore. The new data is here. Research it for yourself. And so I'm not going to give it to it, but you need to go out and dig and push and, and see what that actually says nowadays. And, I was like, you know, that's. I find out the new data is true. A couple, you know, this one researcher says that it takes 66 days to make a habit. And that's 66 consecutive days. And it's it's not a matter of, you know, oh, I miss one and I'll be all right. It's like, no, your body thrives on the consistency if you're going to change the way it acts and the way it thinks and the way it moves and breathes, the way your diet is. Once you miss a day, you got to start that thing all over again. So I don't want to miss a day. Unless there's something that's just so catastrophic, and I was even laughing this this morning as I was getting prepared to come, you know, record and prepare for the show. I thought, oh man, with this coronavirus going on right now, you know, I know I find myself, you know, channel surfing and trying to find out some other content I can go binge and listen to or watch, and thinking, you know what, people may be looking and in need of some content as we start to become more introverted and inside of our house, more reclusive because of this coronavirus, and I'm not saying we give in to the enemy, and I'm not even saying that this virus is from the enemy. I don't, I don't know where it's from, whether it be man-made, man-mutated, mutated on its own, whatever it is from the devil. I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't profess to know, but I do know this. I have faith. I have faith in God that, that our family is covered. I have faith in God to believe that whatever his will is, he's going to allow certain things to happen, and then He's going to shut other things down. He's going to shut our thing down too when it's when he's ready for it to be shut down. I believe that that God gives us wisdom, and I believe that God speaks to us through our dreams. I, I, and in believing all these things, I still believe that God also gives us wisdom 
to seek him, wisdom to interpret those dreams, wisdom to know what we're supposed to do. Even if it means being wise like a serpent and staying away from people during the time when we're not sure if they're sick or not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't just, that you should isolate ourselves, that we should isolate ourselves. I've lived a lot of my life that way. I've lived reclusively. I've lived where I actually thought that I would dig the moat around our our family and around our home even wider and deeper. And I So I didn't have to deal with people, so I didn't have to deal with the, the potential of being hurt. That's not always a good thing, but but there's some times we need to be careful. So there's there's these times we just need to seek God. So that this is one of those times that I figure, okay, well, you know what? Might as well create some content. Might as well do what the Lord's given me to do. Might as well do what I've said I've wanted to do all this time, which is to record and to create and to allow another man out there who is looking for some content, looking for a, a, a lighthouse, looking for some hope to hear some. So let's talk about some hope and some truth today. Today's topic is called Why Don't Say. And I get it. I, I know I, I get it. It's, this, it's not proper grammar. It's not proper English. It's not proper at all. But it's the truth. There's so many things in life with so many people that have come up, we've come across that we just don't say the things that we know we want to say. I used to watch uh, Bernie Mac, comedian, for so long and Okay, I understand some of his language and content is not exactly what you would actually, I would recite here on the show, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying from a comedic standpoint, I remember he had this one skip script, or skit, I should say, that he would do, and he would say the things that actually came in his head to say. He would, he would say the things that he, would, he knew that we wouldn't say. And I thought to myself, you know, that's really where the truth lies. There's so many things that we have inside that we keep inside, that we don't want to say. Just last week's episode, we dealt with the fact that a lot of people are saying the things that they shouldn't say, or saying things that are saying things in a way that we need to that are hurtful to people or easily misunderstood. I'd even venture to say that some of the things that people have said to us or we say to people aren't very well thought out. But what I want to say and make sure we're clear in this episode is that there's some there's some meaningful things, there's some heartfelt things, there's some things that are well thought out or could be well thought out that we need to give, that we need to deliver, we need to have, especially guys, we need to say it to our sons, we need to say it to our, our wives or, or if we're not married, if we're in a serious relationship just with someone, then we need to say it to our significant others. So serious things we just need to say in general instead of instead of cowering back. Now, I understand fully. I'm one of those people that when I'm in a conversation with someone, it's probably better and best for me that I that I kind of take a moment to get my thoughts together, kind of, like they say, kind of collect my thoughts and not just spout out the very first thing that comes to mind because sometimes the first thing that comes to our mind is not of God by any stretch of the imagination. But there's also some times when we know that we're following God, if we know we're focused on God, if we spend time with him, if we're seeking the spirit and where he's, where he's moving in our lives and we join him in ministry, if we, even into the point where we're joining him in what we say, we're allowing him to have free reign over our tongues, even our minds and our intent to say certain things. So, so speaking in those times, in those aspects, in those relationships, yes, those make sense to allow what the Spirit is saying. <clears throat> but it, but it's 
you know, so just be mindful. If you're not spending any time learning how the Lord speaks to you, learning how the Holy Spirit actually operates and moves and manifests himself to you so you speak, you've got to be very mindful and be careful. I caution you not to say the first thing that jumps because that may not be of God. Because if you don't know how God speaks to you how through the Holy Spirit, um, probably should feel fall silent for a while until you at least start with that. So, you know, for those who need some background and those who need some training, we're going to put some of our helps up front today. And Lord willing, I believe he's going to give us some help all along the way. So if you don't know what the Lord's voice is, you then spend some time. Ask God, you know, hey, how do you speak to me? Are you audible? Are you, do you speak to me through songs, through dreams, through other people, through the word, through pictures, through a variety of things, through smells, through touch, just through that, that Olivia Pope, just feeling in my gut. When you do speak to me, is it what kind of voice is it? And and when you and when you ask the Lord to do that, genuinely believe that He's gonna tell you the answer, that He's gonna reveal to you how He does it. So you don't have any question as to what you should do or, or where that voice comes from. Because I've always reminded myself and my kids that you have to be certain, you gotta be sure beyond the sh- the shadow of knowing that how the Lord speaks to you is this way or that way because when times get tough, when times get to be just in their most crunchy moments, when when you really, really need to know, you can't afford to doubt and wonder and and be caught with, huh, I thought that was God. Lord, I thought that was you. Wasn't wasn't that you, Lord? And you find that it was just the pizza you had for the night before or the, the, the gas that had built up inside because you ate something you know you shouldn't have. But if you know the voice of the Lord didn't, didn't, and he's revealed that to you, then, and you think you've got an idea of what it is, then ask him to confirm it. It's, it's okay to ask the Lord to, to confirm and put him to, to the test in that manner where, Lord, if that was you and you spoke to me in that manner, do it again. And, and I, I need to know, because the scripture allows us to test God in those in that manner and, and to prove that it's true. Because we're, we, and there's a, the passage is talking about when the prophet needed the Lord to to just kind of remind him and, and, and show him what he was supposed to do. So he said, look, I'm going to put this fleece out, God, on the, on the grass here. So to, if I know it's you, you're going to make that fleece wet and the grass dry by morning. He said, I know that's you. So when the Lord did that, he was like, oh, okay, maybe that was just a fluke. So, Lord, I'm going to ask you to, t- I'm going to test you. So if that was really you and this is what I'm really supposed to do, I need to, this time, tomorrow morning, I need to, to make that fleece dry or, or fleece wet and the grass dry. And then reverse. So he asked him, first the fleece was going to be wet, then it was going to be dry. And first the grass was going to be dry, and then the grass was going to be wet. So we, we needed to make sure we, we get that situation, whatever the test is for the Lord, handle. So that when he speaks to us again, we don't have to worry about what that is. So when we're speaking to people, especially guys, especially our kids, our, our spouses, our family, those those relationships that are that are to that are dear to us, and even those relationships that aren't, because there's some there are some relationships that are not dear to us, that we need to be just as clear in our communication, just as clear in who we are, just as consistent and clear in how to deal with them. So there's no misunderstandings, because I know for I've learned in my life. Especially very recently, and I know over the last, I don't know, probably seven to 12 years, that there's just sometimes where being passive aggressive and being unclear and unsure about what you are, who you are, and what you're trying to say is, is damaging. 
because you want to set the expectation. You want to set the boundaries. You want to set the, you want to be truthful. You want to make sure people understand how do you want to be dealt with. When people come towards you, you don't want there to be any question as to who you are and how they should approach you. If people are confused about what they should say to you or how they should approach you, how they should deal with you, that's, that's probably more telling than anything else. That means that we're not being transparent. That means we're not being clear in, in what our expectations are. And that's never good. Especially in business or even when you're going out to a restaurant and you order your steak a certain way or you order your food a certain way. Hey, I, I'm a vegetarian. I don't want any meat on my plate. Or if I'm a vegan, I don't want any no animal products, no dairy at all on my plate. Would you accept a, a meal from someone? Oh, it's just had this little bit of cheese or just a little bit of this animal byproduct. If you're going to be just as consistent and rigid with that type of meal prep, or even if you are, you know, from a an Orthodox Jewish meal philosophy, if you are going to allow your meal to be fixed in a way that isn't kosher, would you actually eat that meal? I mean, that's really what you believed in. That means we need to make sure that we know who we are and, and get an understanding of what we believe about ourselves. Because if we're not, if we're afraid to say to people, this is how I want to be treated, this is what I want, that means that everything else, every other dealing we have with people, with places and things are going to be a problem. We have no one else to blame but ourselves because we're not setting those boundaries. We're not setting those expectations. And we also have to be consistent. We can't show a person that, well, you know, I treated Craig this way today and then I treated Craig like that yesterday and then I treated Craig like this tomorrow or the next day. And, and it may be four or five different ways and he just took it. Well, if that's, the, what he, if that's what he wants, then it must be okay because he took it. He allowed me to treat him this way. So I, he set the precedence that it's going to be this way. I lived that way a lot in my marriage in the early years when I just, you know, I didn't really know a lot of who who I was. Because we do that a lot too, is right? Where we, we live a life where all we want are, is our wives to be happy. I don't know about, you know, a lot of you guys. I know who that's in my era, to my era. You know, it's not a millennial era. It's more, you know, that baby boomer era and older where we were always led to believe and taught and, you know, schooled by the old school, on the old cheese, talking about, you know, hey, man, you know, a, a happy life is a happy wife. But that's so untrue. That is such a lie from the pit of hell. And I, I get it. There's, a, there's, there's ladies, you know, you listen to my show, you're going, oh, my gosh, what is this guy talking about? What, is he, what are you doing? You're, you're not supposed to say that. Well, it is. Because if you have, if you live in such a way where you're giving all that you have to someone else without any regard or thought for yourselves, you can learn to re- to, to create re- uh, a regret and resistance towards them. And you don't want any resistance towards anybody. You don't want any regret for how you've created it out of relationship with someone. If you train a dog to live for and, and behave your way, okay, well, you know, I should probably hold that. You're listening to The Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. We're in segment one of our, our, our topic for today is Why Don't Say, right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. We'll be right back. Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. 
Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor, specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951-265-6259. This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film, Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yovo, Yancey Arias, and both Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it, either way I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're back in segment two. And as we were closing out the first segment, I was mentioning that, you know, the story about training a dog. And, and that I was trying to make this point because I don't want us to be resentful of a person. Don't, don't want us to resent someone because we didn't say anything. That's a foolish reason to to have regret and resentment towards someone else, have a negative feeling towards someone who wasn't even involved really in terms of what our behavior should have been. And, and now you, people are saying, what are you talking about? You just Because the analogy I was using was talking about how I was dealing with my wife and I didn't, my late wife, and I didn't um, speak up the way I knew I should have for myself. I didn't tell her that this is what I liked, this is what I didn't like. This I didn't set the proper boundaries and expectations. So yeah, she did have something to do with my behavior. But the truth is, no. She was living her life. She was, you know, trying to find out what I wanted and what I needed from the marriage in the early early days. And I didn't give her what she needed. I didn't give her the tools that she needed for us to be successful early on in life. I didn't give her the truth. I wasn't honest and true with, with where I was. And it's easy to say, well, you didn't know. And you didn't, you know, you weren't, you know, seasoned yet, you didn't have everything that you needed, so you were learning. And that there is a, a degree of truth in there, but the excuse is still not one that you can use, I can get away with, because we all know enough to tell the truth at any age, at every age. <clears throat> no one has to tell you to, to tell the truth. We, we choose not to, or, or we choose to, out of some, some thought, whether we think it's going to hurt us or we think it's going to hurt the other person. But that's why I love the topic for today is why don't say is that it's a question for all of us. Why don't we say the words that we know we are supposed to say to someone? Why don't we make the point to set our own boundaries? Why don't we protect ourselves? We think we do such a great job in so many cases of protecting, at least I do anyway, protecting other people from us or some or protecting other people from some perceived hurt or harm that we think that our lack of saying something to them is going to keep them from or protect them from. The analogy I was using to close the first segment was, it's like if we train a dog. And those of you, you know, or dog owners, you, you probably understand this analogy better than a, a non-pet owner. If you train a dog, that certain behavior is okay. From puppy, you know, to 
all the way through mature adulthood, the dog's going to eventually learn to do what you tell them to do as best that it can. You have to remind it. You have to be consistent with it over and over and remind the dog. You have, if you're going to teach it to go to be a paper trained or a housebroken or house trained, it's only going to go to the bathroom in certain places. Definitely not anywhere in the house unless you give it a paper or a mat or whatever you're going to give it. And then if it go, if it doesn't go to the bathroom or it use that paper or that spot or doesn't stand at the door to let you know when it's when they've got to go or make a noise to let you know that they've got to go. You, you you discipline the dog. You whether whether you hit it on the nose with a paper or whatever the new technique is, a shock collar or whatever. I, yeah, I know. I'm more old school, you know. So I'm more into that in you know, that corporal punishment. I need to be. <laughs> I need it to be a response to the the action that you have or you don't have. And over time. That dog's going to get it. It's going to make mistakes along the way. It's just going to not be able to hold its water or, or it's not going to be able to to just be on its best behavior all the time. It's it, just like we are. And in so many cases, when a dog decides to go to the bathroom in the house or do something that it's not supposed to do, that we've left the dog alone too long. We haven't given it the attention it, it wants. We haven't reinforced what its behavior should be enough. So it's really, we have to own a large part of that fault. In the case of training the dog over the years, in the same manner, the same way, if we decide that all of a sudden that the dog who was we had trained to go outside or to go to the bathroom, that now outside corner of the bathroom is a bad thing, and we discipline it for doing what it's been ta- taught and rewarded to do for 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years, that dog's going to be really confused. And in so many cases, that dog's going to, in some cases, it could actually turn and bite you because it's like, look, I don't get it. You just told me that this behavior was okay. And now you're telling me it's not. I've got 12 of your years or 10 of your years, your human years, into this thing with this behavior being okay. Now, all of a sudden, it's not, I... It's going to hold its ground. It's going to tell you that, no, this is right. It's going to try to correct you in the best way that it knows how or maybe the only way that it knows how. It's the same thing in our lives. If we if we teach the people that we're dealing with, that we're in relationship with, that we're in community with, how we want to be taught, how we want to be treated, how we want to be spoken to, how we don't want to be spoken to, how we don't want to be touched, how we don't want to be spoken to, they're going to get a better understanding of who we are. Now, Granted, that takes time on our part, discovering who we are and how we want to be spoken to, how we want to be dealt with, how do we not want to be spoken to, how do we not want to be dealt with. It takes probably more time to figure out ourselves internally than it does for us to tell someone externally. Shortly after my wife died, I, I kind of found myself in a spot where I was alone, where I didn't have a lot of adult, what do you call it, adult conversation. And I know you can, some of us who are like me, if you talk about, oh, you have an adult conversation with someone, you kind of think of the negative right away. But I I craved conversation with an adult. I had five kids in the house at that time, and from varying ages, from like four all the way, I think at that time, to like 18. So it was... A lot of conversation about video games and cartoons and sports and 
I mean, I love some of those topics, but over time, it's just there's just so much cartoon I can talk about. There's so only so much video games I can talk about. There's just only so much of that conversation that I could have before I think I was going to lose my mind. I was going to turn into a Heckle and Jekyll cartoon or a Tom and Jerry commercial. Or I know that's probably you know not something that the millennials can relate to, but that's okay. I have to tell you from where I'm at. I, I'm an old school TV. Look at the Boomerang channel. It's awesome. I wasn't much in the Disney side. It, was, it just, just wasn't who I was, but that's fine. But there's some Disney great programming, programming even out there in a variety of places, as long as it's positive, as long as it doesn't you know, cross over my, my own traditional value system. But I promise you, I craved that. I needed that. I, and, I, and I know we talked to even, even last week when we talked about how the words affected us and how it affected me that it's, it's important to know what we say to people and how it's being said. I found myself talking to people who were available. And it was almost like I was an addict because when I found someone that was available to talk, it was just such a relief such a great thing. It was such a highlight. Oh yeah, I can actually, whew, I can actually talk to a, an adult. It's, it's, I don't have to change my vocal tone and, and vocabulary now because I'm talking to a, a young child. And there's no disrespect to my kids that listen to the show. Sorry, boys, there's no disrespect to you at all. It's not the dad was ever, you know, sad or mad at you guys or disappointed in you because you were kids. No, it's not like that at all. It's just, I didn't have an adult to talk to. And I found myself having conversations with people who, unfortunately, later I found out that I never should have been speaking to at all. But I don't want to say at all, so let me correct this, I'll cancel those words. I found myself having deep conversations about life and just conversations in general with some people who I should not have had those kind of conversations with. And they weren't bad conversations at all. They were just conversations there was nothing negative about it there was no overtone about it there was no overture in it there was there was nothing there were just conversations it was there's a book that i read is going into premarital counseling years ago so i was back in mid 2001 it's called his needs her needs and, I, and guys i encourage you to read the book even if you're not married or if you've been married you know 40 plus years it's a great book it talks about the top needs of men and the top needs of women in marital-based relationships. And and at that time, I know when I was filling out, because it tells you, you know, gives you some suggestions of what most men's needs are. Because I, I, I know, and women too, but I, I'm only speaking for myself, men's side. So out of the list of common top 10, top 15 kind of things, they also left space for the men to be able to, as it's an interactive book, to, to fill out what we believed our top, five needs were top 10 needs were and we were supposed to then share it with our spouse in this case my spouse to be and let her see what my top five or, or so needs were and the, to really focus on the top three but we needed to know and share each other's top five and so at that time my late wife did the same thing she she did her top five and I think she was pretty close to dead on what the suggested or the most common top three or top five were I know mine was pretty close to the same. There's a couple of you know, changes here and there, but the top two were, were probably the same. I, knowing me, I'm sure they were the same as what was in there. But when you're in this 
time with people, we need to make sure we understand what those needs are. And when the needs are not being met, the book goes on to talk about that it's important for the spouses to know what those needs are because when you find one of those top three, top five needs not being met within the bounds or confines of a covenant marriage relationship, then what it was very tempting and even easy to find those needs met outside of the marriage. And when they, when you did find those needs met outside, it became a challenge and a hindrance to the marriage because depending on even what the ranking of that need was, it became, oh my gosh, I, I can get this need met over here. Then you find yourself spending time away from the marriage and you find yourself focusing on the things that you're not supposed to be focusing on. You're finding time being leaked away from what your marriage focus should be and potentially getting that one need met, depending on the ranking, met by someone outside of your marriage relationship. And in most cases, these needs are met by the opposite sex. So it's it's not like, you know, when the guy's top 10 needs was like, or five needs for me to watch sports all day and I'm able to watch sports with a buddy. And there it is. And I'm leaking time from my marriage. Okay, yeah, that is that is something we do as well because out of the the reality the reality there though is that we crave community and so if we crave a conversation or, or the ability to spend time with someone who doesn't judge us some uh, spend time with someone who who encourages us that's one of those needs technically that's on the top that your body needs and so yeah women guys ladies if you say your husband spends a lot of time out with his boys and out with the guys out with the fellas and doing whatever What's, what's the need that's not being met inside of the confines and structure of your marriage? And guys, same thing. If your wife's spending a lot more time away from you than with you, what is the need that we're not that you're not meeting in that relationship in her life that she really, really needs? Again, it's a great thing that we need to do with conversation and ask yourself, why don't we say? Why don't say? Right here on WKBY 1080 AM, you're listening to The Raising Men Show. Again, I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. We're going to take another break and we'll be right back to just keep discussing more and more about the things that we don't say and let's talk about the things that we should say. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202. Or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're back, segment three, and we're 
We ended the last segment, too, with just talking about why don't we say things that we're supposed to say. And we're talking about the book, His Needs, Her Needs. And I did, I, I would encourage you to get that book. It's a great book. No matter where you are in life, no matter where you are in your relationships. I just was talking to a really good friend of mine a few days ago. Just, hey, pick up the book. I encourage you to get that book and a few others. I know it has enriched and changed my life. I'm, I'm hoping forever. There were some moments when I didn't use it because if you have the information about something and you have the knowledge about something, you, you got to use it, right? You just can't have the knowledge and have <laughs> caught unused. That's not wise. And when the Lord gives you a word, it gives you some information. You got to pay attention to it. You got to you got to use it. You got to you got to react to it. You got to act upon it. Don't just be like a like a balloon or or a a water tank where you just get filled up with information. If you don't have a, a valve that you open and release and let it flow to, to water and be used and help someone else, it's, you're going to be wasted. Eventually, water is going to become stagnant and it's going to be moldy and it's not going to be useful for anything. So that's that's something I want to be. I want to be useful at all points in my life. Well, I can't, I can't say this. I'm going to cancel those words. I can't be useful at all points in my life because there's points in my life that are gone. Obviously, there's 50 other points in my life that are gone. And I can really right now make sure that I'm useful from this point on. I want to hope that I was useful at some of those other 50 years of my life, previous 50 years. But at this point, I have to only deal with the remaining days that I've got, whether it's one day or another 150. Who knows? I want to be useful. So I want to make sure I, I deal with the things that I need to say to my kids, to, to just people in general that I'm in community with. So, guys, what do you do with your kids and what are you saying to your Kids, especially if you've got sons. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Let's, let's just cancel those words as well. Sons or daughters, our kids need to hear from us. They need to know exactly what we're thinking in a in a way that makes sense, not just blurting it all out and there. I've, we've, I have spoken. It is the way. No, it's that's not the way we do it. Watching my kids grow over the last, for sure, last seven years, it's just quite a remarkable thing. And I've been trying to spend a lot of time making sure that they're okay, and that they, they, they're getting what they need. And I, I know during a large, I think, front-end part of of my wife's passing, since her, my wife's passing, I overcompensated a lot. I, and I don't like to open, overcompensate, but I know I did it. I, I tried to make up for something that they didn't have, and I knew was, I was at a deficit. I knew I didn't, I didn't have the another wife for them, another mother to replace their mother or to be added on in addition to the mother they had and, and didn't have anymore. But I, I, I found myself trying to do things that that made up the difference. I tried to plug the hole in their heart with my finger or a toy or a game system or something that I thought they wanted that would just make the hurt go away, even if it was just a little bit, if it was just to divert their mind off of it. I found, of course, that time was one of the good things that they needed. Time with me. I was even reminded of that last night when Jackson and Evan were asking me about, hey, Dad, you know, we should do these things. There's some things that we used to do before we moved that we don't do anymore. And we need to do those more again. I was like, okay. I listened to him. Because the next thing the kids need from you is they need your words. While you're spending the time with them, you just can't sit in silence. You just can't sit in total emptiness. And you can't give a doctoral dissertation with them also every time you're sitting there because they're not going to want to listen to you. 
you have that's why it's very key to spend time with the Lord, spend time focused on what the Spirit of God wants you to say to people and say that just in general. So when you're able to discern what the Lord wants you to say, it's so much easier to say it. Because that's what our kids need to know is they need to hear from us in the right time and in the right way. So often as parents, I know I, I spend a lot of time talking and jibber jabbering and rambling on. I'm sure I get this look on my face and the kids are like, because I can tell on their face like, oh, there it goes again. And then they instantly turn me off because I've I've instantly gone to the droning, you know, parrot, parrot mode. I, I, I know we talk about it as parenting, but I guess maybe it's more like parroting. And I'm saying the same thing. Why, why, why? Pick up the trash. Why, why, why? Clean up your area. Why, why, why? Put your dishes away. Ah, put those cups away. And you sound like a parent. Ah, put your dishes away. Ah, pick up your trash. Ah, clean your room. Ah, brush your teeth. I get it. I hated it when my parents did it to me. I just When they got into that mode, that parrot mode, I just wanted them to shut up. I just needed them just to stop talking. I would just imagine in my mind as a kid that they would had some rock would hit them in the head or, or if I had super cotton in my ear so I couldn't hear nothing they said and I felt like it was you know, Charlie Brown's teacher wah, 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 talking in that classroom. Never understood what she said. And I, But as I heard the words that my parents would say, but I wasn't listening. Parents, we've got to be good listeners and we've got to be good talkers as well. we got to learn how to deliver the message. We've got to learn how to get our point across without getting angry, without getting frustrated, without becoming a spot, without becoming a, a dirty faucet. Because nobody wants to drink out of a dirty faucet. Nobody wants to hear anything from that. Nobody wants to use that water. We need to be a, a fountain of life where we're able to speak life to them, where we are able to be useful. Now, granted, even a fountain of life in a, in a sink of useful water, sometimes it's hot. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes the water that comes out of a useful fountain is hot. But there's a way to control that temperature. There's a way to, to turn it to more hot water and there's a way to turn it back to more cold water and we need to be wise as parents and you know yes we do need to get after our parents our children yes we need to make sure we understand what motivates our children what gets our children's attention yes we need to do that and then we've got to be consistent so often as parents at least for me I, I get tired of the consistency I get tired of buying replacing groceries every month I get tired of paying the bills every month I get tired of reminding the kids to clean up but at some point, we're not going to have to remind them as much if we find or when we find what motivates them. And we strategically use that motivation to keep them, keep prodding them in the right direction. The Bible uses the story of, of Jesus being the good shepherd. And I know we've heard the story, you know, countless times about how, how the Lord would leave the 99. And go after the one. And in a lot of cases, I think we laugh and we just kind of think it's just a fancy story. But let's really think about that. I mean, what does a shepherd really do? He's got that, you know, and I, and I know there's not a lot of shepherding left in the area because it's more very much commercial, but 
And I, I can't remember the last time I saw in a field with a guy who actually had a bunch of sheep. I don't remember him having that hooked, that wooden hooked staff of his. But I do recall that they had a, you know, one of those electric fences around them. That's for sure. So when those sheep got close to the electric fence, they, they got a shock and they remembered, oh, no, I can't go over there. I need to stay right in the confines of where I am. I also know that there's sheepdogs that are in those areas that are nipping at the heels of those sheep, trying to get them motivated to stay in line and herding them in a certain direction, making sure they, they're where they're supposed to be. But back in biblical times, and and if you are still a sheep herder out there, let me know if you still do use these wooden sticks but or some type of physical reminder to tap the sheep and make sure they're going the right way. But back in the day, when they, the shepherds used to have that, that hooked stick, the hook was to grab a sheep when they may have fallen into danger. They may have gotten stuck in a bush or may have fallen down in a ditch or something like that. It's a way that you can reach down and hook, hook that sheep, grab them, and pull them to where you needed them to be out of danger and on the right path and back going in that direction. The sheep herder knew, or the shepherd knew, what his sheep needed and was in trouble. So it may have left, he may have left the, the group and the, the flock of sheep together to go find the missing one. Yes, we, we talk about that often. We get excited about us being the one, but when you really think about it, if we're really one of those sheep that have wandered off from God, wandered off from the safe confines of where we're supposed to be, and that shepherd's got to come look for us, that's a tough place to be. That means we're not inside of the will of God. That means we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. That means that we're not paying attention to his voice and we're following after something that's not necessarily good for us. Sometimes the shepherd doesn't always use the hook to grab us in a gentle way. Sometimes if we continue if that sheep continues to be wayward and continues to not listen and pay attention to what the shepherd wants him to do and behave and follow the behavior or replicate the behavior that he wants us to use. He used the hook in an aggressive way to snatch us up and yank us around and kind of snap us around to where we're supposed to be. And when you really definitely find those moments when discipline or corporal punishment is needed, you can also use the other end of that stick as well to tap us, either be on our head or backside or even break our leg to make sure that we can no longer run away and leave the flock. We got to stay where we're supposed to be. I don't want to be that that sheep that doesn't listen. I'd rather be one of the sheep that stays close to where the shepherd wants me to be with that flock. I really don't want my legs broken to the point where I can no longer run free. I don't want my legs broken so I can't I can't do in ministry what the Lord wants me to do now without that limp. I, I don't want to have my neck snapped around by that hook because I just couldn't stop looking at the other thing that he knew that I wasn't supposed to look at. I've got to be real careful in what I do, what I say, and what I'm doing. So with our children, it's the same way. Are we telling them, are we showing them what behavior that we want them to model? <clears throat> Are we showing or reminding them of what we want from them? What's good and what's bad and what's good and what's right? 
are we modeling it out for them in our lives as often as we can? We can't model it out daily because we fail. We fall short. We're not perfect. We don't have a, well, at least we not need to not have a performance spirit. I know for me, trying to make, trying to be a parent, man, I just, this parenting thing is tough. It's not for the faint of heart. It's never, definitely not for those wimps or punks that I'm just, you know, just going to do whatever for now and just fall away. Or like some parents, they're just absolute derelicts. I know I've spoken about this on the show before. If you're a derelict father, a derelict mother, if you're just totally absent, emotionally unavailable, physically, financially, you suck. And again, so let me make sure I'm clear. I'm not speaking death on your life and say that you're in that constant state of suck. No, I'm saying that that current state that you're in and all that past state of suck, that's what you are, what you're exhibiting. And I hope that you get out of that suckage as soon as possible because your kids need you. The caretaker, that's, the caregiver, that's, that's the one that's stepping in to, to lead your children. They need you. Their mothers, the still stepdads. In the case of your derelict mother, those stepmothers. They need you. Your kids need you. They need to hear from you. They need to also know from you what is good and what is happening in your life. We're going to talk about the next segment, being honest and true. And why don't we say to our kids the truth about who we were? We worried about us and our mentality and our image to them? That's probably it. But you're listening to The Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM and also on TheRaisingMenShow.com. And if you missed an episode, please check us out. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're right here. Segment four, the last one of the day, last one of the week. Why don't say? That's the topic for today. Why don't we say those things that we really need to? What are we, what are we afraid of? It's, it's something that, that, that we're afraid of. And I think, as I was hitting on it, coming out of that last segment, coming, out, coming into the break, I believe that's what it is for me. Is that so often I don't want the kids to have their image of me, the image of their father to be, to be tarnished, shaken, or broken. Well, what image do you think our kids have of us? And I, I know when I look back, I'm what image I had of my dad. I, I thought he was like a flipping superhero. I always thought he was so tall and so strong and just so, I mean, because 
he was the one who was teaching me. My mom, of course, was too. So, but we're talking about just in the confines and in the, the lens of of child to father. In my case, son towards what I thought his father was, and I thought it was a larger than life view. Especially, you know, when my mom died. Oh my gosh, I think I was thirty one when my mom died, and I just gotten married a few months before, and I remember. You know, I was thinking, okay, my dad did all these wonderful things as a father. I'm sure he had his moments of suck too. I, mean, I get it. I, I, I fully understand. But of the one, of the moments that he had, I, that I hold on to most, that I try to remember and recall, that I try to keep in the forefront of my mind to be, if I can, just even half the man that he was. I think I would still be great because he was such a good person. I recall that. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to do the things that he did. And even somebody used to talk like him. And, and I, I think that it, it's a natural thing because that's all our kids are knowing. They either have whatever parent they're with in the most time or whatever parent they try to emulate the most. They're going to pick up traits after that parent. I also find that in our case, the kid's mom has been gone seven years now. And our young, my youngest or our youngest one, Jackson, he was four when his mom died. So the crazy thing is that kid's now lived longer without his mom than he has with his mom. Ugh, that just, I don't know why that really stands out to me, but it always has. But see, but he has traits that his mom had and he only knew her for four years and it, from a young age, he would not have had that much time to be able to learn those traits. But I get it that we are products of our parents and there's some things that are just ingrained in our bloodline, yes. But even from a pure behavioral part of genetics, there's some stuff that we do that just come out and you wonder where that came from. And some of it is just because this is what your parents did. This is what your body knows. This is how your body resonates and breathes. From a bloodline perspective, there's some stuff in our past that we have that is grafted in it's not a good thing issues that all my kids have in their bloodline is what I've struggled with issues with fear and a performance spirit wanting to please people so bad that we'd stop learning how to please ourselves and I've been in the process of breaking off those generational curses and those things out of my kids bloodline because I don't want my kids to struggle with anything that I struggle with that wheel's already round. And, and that's why, guys, you need to tell your kids. That's why you don't be afraid to not say. We've got to tell our kids what we've done and who we are and, and not just who we are now, but who we were in the past. We're, we're not bound to that thing just because we talked about it, about who we were. And it, yeah, it's going to have some crunchy, embarrassing moments when we talk about some of our life's most embarrassing moments and stupid things we've done. And But we've got to be truthful. Uh, no, okay, we need to make sure we tell it tastefully and not just and make sure it's age appropriate. And, but there's always a part of a story that you can tell and you can withhold the names to protect the innocent. Well, that's fine. You, if you have a family member that they know that's done something really stupid, you don't have to tell them and name that person because you're telling your story. You're telling your experience and you're trying to make sure they don't re, I can replicate your story, repeat all of your same mistakes, also all of my own mistakes. So I got to make sure my kids understand and know What's right? What's wrong? Know the 
the consequence of this type of action. And I, and I get it. Sometimes you just may have a hard-nosed, stiff-necked kid that just doesn't want to hear it. That just they need to learn from experience. That's the way that my kid's mom was. She she had to learn from experience. It didn't matter how many times you told her a certain thing. She had to do it and explain it and experience it for herself. So then she can go, oh, yeah, you're right. That's that's that is that way. If you do that. And that's not so, something so, you know, folks don't think I'm just bashing on a dead person. No, that's not it. That was, those were words out of her own mouth to me. That's, that, that, that was how she learned. That was her process of going through life and getting through from one thing to another to gain wisdom. That was a part of how Solomon also did. He went out and experienced a lot of life. And there's nothing wrong with being experiential. And so parents, if you find that you've got a child that lives and learns experientially, you've got to still be in their corner. You've got to still give them the warning. It's like, look, I know you're going to go try and not necessarily listen to me and, and not do it. And you're going to do things your own way, but I'm still going to let you know. If you do this, this, and this, this is going to happen. So let me just prepare you so that you're not surprised. And, and unfortunately, parents, we've got to be able to step back. We've got to set the bar, be consistent with the bar, be steady with the bar. Sometimes we've got to hit them with the bar, but... You've also got to let them go and either run into the bar themselves or run under the bar. Sometimes the kids are going to jump over the bar. They're going to go over and exceed the expectation. But as parents, we've got to not set the bar on the ground so that they have such a low expectation of what our kids are supposed to do that they don't have to put forth any effort. There's a great book I've had my kids to read. You know, I've encouraged them to read it a couple times. Some of them have made it all the way through. Some of them have been made it all the way through yet, so I'm going to keep demanding and requiring that reading to be done until during the summers for this one book until they get it or, or continue to reinforce it so that they, it remains gotten. It's uh, Do Hard Things. It's a book written by two young men who, at a, as a result of one particular summer, or maybe it's a series of summers, but their dad would bring these stacks of books and have them read them and write, demand that they write book reports on them and and. and the kids decided that, you know what, we have such a low expectation from our parents placed upon us that anything we do, we also fall short of that bar. So the bar even gets lower and lower and lower. And those two, those boys decided that they were going to do something to raise the bar. And they started their their own blog. It was just a conversation amongst kids their age about the bar that their parents would set so low. And the kids knew it was a low bar, but... But we allowed and manipulated our relationships with our parents and to our parents to make sure the bar became even lower. And that blog turned into quite a viral thing and it turned into that book that they wrote. And I haven't followed them you know, since we started reading the book, but I just thought it was such a great thing that if we as parents just really understood and took a moment to step back and not just give in, so... I don't want to take a moment to give in or, or I just need a moment to step back and evaluate what each of my kids need. I, I, and I need to make sure that they, I know how each of my kids think. And that, and I know their thought process changes as they get older. And that we have to be able to change our parental style along the way. But every moment along the way, we got to say what's on our mind. We, I've had to have some, some tough conversations with each of my kids, some specifically the younger ones as they're getting older and they're coming into different ages in their life where puberty is going to set in, the early teens are going to set in, the preteens are going to set in, and even through teen years into mature you know, adulthood, as that sets in, adulthood, as that sets in, 
The kids need to understand they need to have some guidance. We need to deal with what's in their bloodline. If I know that fear lives there and though I've broken it off of their bloodline, that the kids can themselves come into agreement with fear. So I've got to go in and deal with that thing. I've got to share with them and that my experiences with, with fear. And I've got to share with them what I see in their lives right now, but not from a condescending way, parents. Guys, we can't just beat our kids down with anything. We've got to encourage them, show them the problem and give them a solution or two that they can try. That's what's important. So we need to understand that we can't just live a why don't say life and just, oh, I don't want to talk about it. If I don't talk about it, it's not going to happen. That's such another life in the pit of hell. Even if we don't say certain things, parents approach topics like sex and drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, it's going to happen because the world wants the kids. It wants to sift us. The enemy wants to sift us like wheat. They want to gob, gob, you know, just gobble up all of our kids and spit them out into the street and just toss them in the trash and make them want to kill themselves and make them feel a certain way because they don't have those likes and followers. We have to let them know that they're okay. We have to tell them and speak life into them and make sure that they're growing and knowing who they are, no matter how tiring and repetitive it seems, parents. Even if we need to take a knee a moment, it's got to be a short moment to recharge and then get back after it got to remember we got to say so this has been you know the raising men show again on super tuesdays right here on wkby 1080 am and if you have missed an episode we can always find us on the raising that's t-h-e-r-z-n-g-m-e-n show.com and we're on itunes spotify and even on podbean where you can find us right there of course on the raising we're here every tuesday 2 p.m and 10 p.m eastern 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific. I love this show. Shouts out to Bible Way Church in Chatham, Virginia. Shout out to all of you listening. Thank you and see you guys all again next week. WKBY 1080 AM. We keep blessing you.